0: The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. Awesome. Hey, well, thanks for having me, guys. My name is Jacob, like you said. Um, Like you said, I'm getting my master's right now at AGTS. I'm going to open this up real quick, if you guys don't mind. Um, I am married. I'm married to an amazing woman named Kaylee, an amazing woman. And Kaylee. She's actually a nursing student at Evangel. So uh, right now she's on the clock. She's working from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. tonight. So she's, she could make it tonight or else you guys would see her. And um, so how many high schoolers do we have in here? We got Isaac's one. Um, quite a few. How many middle schoolers? Isaac's another middle. So Isaac, Isaac's in both. Pastor Isaac's in both. Awesome. Awesome. So we, got, we have quite a mixed group in here quite a McSup group. Does anyone play basketball? Anyone play basketball? Do you, you play basketball? No. Can anyone dunk a basketball, but they don't play it? You can dunk a, I, I believe it, dude. I believe it. So back when I was in high school, I played basketball in high school, and unfortunately, you know, no one else here does, but does anyone want to dunk a basketball? Like, would that, would that be a cool thing to do? Yeah? I mean, that'd be sick. That'd be so sick. So when I was in high school, this was like a dream of mine. Like I I used to watch like videos of Michael Jordan, videos of LeBron James dunking basketballs on people and just like going between the legs and dunking on top of people. And to me, that was incredible. Like that's what I wanted to do. I, I just wanted to do that. And, you know, I was like a sophomore and a freshman in high school. And that's all I wanted to do was just dunk on somebody. So what I did was look up some of these amazing shoes that you can buy online that guaranteed you to dunk in six months if you bought them and trained with them for six months straight, so I actually have a picture of the shoes. They look awesome. You guys might want to get, get yourself a pair of these shoes. As you can see, you literally just walk on the toes of your feet. So I paid about a hundred bucks for these shoes when I could just do this instead, and uh, I, I just spent, I just wasted money. And, and honestly, um, I, I put these shoes on the first day and I was training in them and I was you know wearing them. And that night I was my calves were so sore that I I, I didn't wear them again after that. Like, I wore these shoes one time, and they've been in my garage ever since I wore these shoes one time, and I would walk past them and be like, maybe I should put on these $100 pair of shoes, and then I'd just be like, nope, I'm just going to shoot with these, uh, these regular Jordans on or something like that, but these shoes had a purpose in it. I, I had an intention when I bought these shoes. I just, I didn't like the cost of it. I didn't like what it was going to cost me to actually see its purpose be fulfilled in my life. So how many of you guys have ever wanted something in your life really bad, but then realized that it was going to take too much to actually get that thing or to become that kind of person that you wanted to be, so you just stop? You're just like, you know what? It's not worth it. I don't want to go through the torture. I don't want to go through the pain. I'd rather just stop. Anyone else? Has anyone else been there before? I see a lot of head nods, no hand raises. That's okay. I'm I'm with you guys. I'm with you. You know, I I find that in my life, and I'm sure in yours guys' life as well, that I do not like to be uncomfortable. Like, being uncomfortable is not something that I'll choose to do, right, like, just out of my own will. I'm not going to choose to put myself in an uncomfortable situation. You know, I like to be in a situation where there's minimal work, where I have to do, like, maybe, like, for homework, I like to read two pages the night. I don't want to read 100 pages. Like, who, who wants to do extra work whenever you can just do minimal work and get by, you know? So, that, I, I feel like that's something we all like to do. You know, we, like, we don't like to sacrifice our comfort. For pain or or, or our control for not having control. We like, we love control. I know that for a fact because I love love having control of my life as well. And that's something that I know we all struggle with. And honestly, this is true even for good things in our life. Like this is true even for uh, eating healthy. You know, we would rather eat deep fried foods, processed foods, than eating something that's like, you know, something healthy, something grilled. Because it's easier to make, maybe it's easier to get, and it tastes ten times better right, right, McDonald's, you know, it, it, even like getting enough sleep, last night, I'm a, I'm a prime example of this, last night I stayed up till like 1 a.m. watching YouTube, <laughs> and I felt, this whole day, I felt miserable, and I knew that I should get enough sleep, I knew that I should just go to bed, and this is something I did in high school too, my little brother stays up till 3 a.m. every single night watching YouTube, wakes up at 6, and then has to go to school and then stays up till three a.m. It's just, it just—it doesn't make sense. Like we 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 do this stuff and even you know studying at home. Anyone like here study a ton? Anyone study a ton? Does anyone just like do enough just to get by? Enough just to get yeah. That's where I was at. That's where I was at. I would literally come home, and I would not study. I'd play video games and then I'd just wing it wing it during the test. I would just like you know if if I hopefully I get an A. If I don't, it's okay because I didn't care. Or you know working out. I I hate. I honestly, I work out, but I hate it. Like, it it does not feel good, and if there was a pill that I could take that would allow me to never work out again in my life, and I could just have the results, I would take it in a heartbeat. If I could eat whatever I wanted to, and I would never have to work out a day in my life, I'd never have to run, I'd never have to lift weights, nothing, I would take it in a heartbeat. Anyone else, anyone else do that? Come on, you guys, does anyone like working out? Anyone like, you guys do? You'll see. Wait, wait a couple years. Wait a couple years. You'll see. <laughs> so the truth is this. You know, we don't, we don't like to give up control over our life and do these things that might be beneficial for us because they, they put us in a place of discomfort. You know, that's true in our spiritual lives as well. And the thing is, we, we fail to recognize that our discomfort can actually help us experience, like, benefits and actually push us in the right direction, We fail to recognize that sometimes in our lives, and we find a story of a man in the Bible who shares the same exact problem. He he likes to hold on to things a little too tightly. He likes control. He he doesn't want to let go of something because he just enjoys having the control over it in his life. So if you guys have your Bibles, uh, you guys want to turn with me to Mark chapter 10, and I just spit all over the front row. I'm sorry about that. The spit zone, as Isaac said. Pastor Isaac. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. It's up on the screen if you do not have your Bible. All right, here we go. We're just going to read it real quick. And it says, As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him. This man who was setting on his journey is Jesus. And this man knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness and do not defraud. And you know what? Honor your mother and father. And he said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept for my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go. sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. So disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He had great possessions. Possessions? Can someone say he's rich? He's rich. Say it. Let's hear it. Yeah. So hey, so let's break this down a little bit. Uh, so Jesus is going on this journey. So that's the man who's going on the journey. And uh, while he's on this journey, this man spots him and he runs up to him and he kneels before him. So we know this man is rich. You guys just pronounced it out out there, and we see it at the bottom of the passage. And during this time, for a rich man. For any man in general, but for a rich man to run up to somebody and kneel before them shows a great m- amount of respect and a great amount of eagerness because that's not something that this culture was was no- used to doing. This was not a normal part of the culture. Like today, we might run up to someone if we were excited to see them just normally. That's a part of our culture. But back then, running was not just a normal. It wasn't a normal thing. You would walk to somebody. You, would, you wouldn't run towards somebody and kneel before them. That shows an, an, an enormous amount of respect, an enormous amount of eagerness to get to this person. And it says that he calls him good teacher. It, it says that He says, uh, Jesus, you know, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It shows us that this man was very sincere in his approach to Jesus. It, this wasn't just a normal man that he was like, you know, uh, I'm going to come up and, and just ask this guy a question. He was asking him in a, a very important question, you know he he recognized that that this man Jesus was someone that was special that someone was this was like the opportunity for him to go to this person that he knew a lot about obviously he wouldn't just run up to someone and call him good teacher if he didn't know that this guy had good character that this that this guy was important this guy was special and that you know there's something about Jesus that drew this man in you know we don't know if he he heard stories about him from his friends we don't know if he uh, witnessed some of the miracles he performed. We don't know if he saw him from a distance with binocular, binoculars just laying on the ground, looking at him. We don't know if he was stalking Jesus, but what we do know is that this man knew about Jesus. And he asked him this question, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Or essentially, you know, what, what must I do to have a right relationship with God? And the key component that jumps out to me in this verse, in verse 7, 17, it says, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? The word do. Because during this time, people believed that in order to have right standing with God, you had to do something. You had to do something. It was by your works that you could earn his approval. Their mind was fixed on, if I do this correctly, then I'll be approved by God. Then I'll be accepted and okay before God. And this man had the same exact mindset. This man was approaching Jesus with the same question. He wanted to know what he could do externally in order to earn God's approval of him across the board. He wanted to be able to control his outcome by earning his acceptance. He's, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I would willing, be willing to bet that there are a lot of you out there right now that probably have the same mindset. And maybe you don't even recognize it. You know, it's not something you're like, God, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You're not asking that question, but it's in your actions and your thought process. It's kind of like, it's like a religious checklist. You know, you're like, if I pray today, check man, maybe God will show favor on me. Maybe God will will bless me because I just prayed. Or, you know, if I read the Bible today, check. And it's the mindset behind what you're doing. It's not necessarily that the things you do are bad, but it's the mindset that if you do these things, then God's going to accept you. But the truth is this. You can never do enough to earn God's love. You can never do enough to earn God's love. So back when I was in high school in, uh, trying to dunk using these shoes one time. I used to watch videos, like I said, Michael Jordan dunking basketballs, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, all these guys just doing crazy dunks, and I would sit on my computer for probably two to three hours at a time, maybe stay up till one o'clock, watching these YouTube videos of people dunking. And I would sit there and, you know, thinking like, looking back, it was really, really dumb of me because I would sit there spending more time watching people do something that I wanted to do instead of actually trying to work towards do something that I wanted to do. So my mindset was focused. If I watch these guys, maybe I'll learn something from what they do. Maybe I'll, like, watch their feet and watch them how they place, like, exactly the right area, and then I can jump and dunk because I just learned how they place their feet. But I'm going to tell you something. It didn't work right away. Um, I failed miserably several times, but I was was doing something. I was watching these YouTube videos. I wasn't putting in the work, but I was doing something that was really keeping me from my goal, actually. Like, I, I... you, you can watch and learn from people and, and, all these, and all these good things, but I wasn't doing the work necessary, or the, actually, the, I wasn't even in the right place. I wasn't in the right mindset for the work that I wanted to actually do. And as we look back at the story, we see that this man claims to have obeyed all of these external things. You know, he, he, he says that he, he actually mentions this, the whole second half of the, old, the, the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, which is the moral law. It was God's given uh, law to the, to the Israelites, in the Old Testament, and the second half deals primarily with his relationship to other people. So he's saying, you know what, I, I didn't murder anybody. Good for you, man. That's awesome. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't commit adultery. I didn't, I didn't steal. I, I haven't lied to, to these people. You know, he's saying all these things that were expected of people. This was like a moral law. This is how you should act. And he's saying, you know, I, have, I haven't done any of these things, Jesus. I, I haven't did, done any of these things that these other people may have done. But the fact is, that he was also wealthy. And this is a key part of the story because the fact that he was wealthy, it has, he has an extreme privilege on his life that he didn't have to worry about certain things that other people had to worry about. You know, he didn't have to really worry about lying to get food. He didn't have to worry about stealing from other people um, to, get, to get by that day. And although that wouldn't make it right, this guy was just in a great situation to have a decently easy life, and he was just looking and focusing on his life and what he's done in order to attain this approval. And he thinks that his lifestyle and actions are going to earn him this eternal life that he's seeking. He thinks that these actions are going to be what Jesus says, you know what, you're you, you, you are awesome, dude. You you got eternal life. Like, that's that's it. You're, you're in heaven with me, dude. And that, that's what he thinks. And people around him, the people like his friends, probably respect this dude a ton. Because in this culture, wealth, it, it, it was mostly thought of as people who were blessed by God. People who... You know were favored, people who were powerful because power and money, especially during this time, were like hugely tied together. And these people were probably all thought this guy was the, the example they wanted to follow. They wanted to be like this guy, because he was wealthy. And he, he, he thought that his obedience to this part of the law, this second part of the law, the moral law, would earn him full acceptance because of how good he has been, because of how good he has been. The problem is that this man was seeking. The love and the acceptance of God in the wrong place. In the place that's only going to bring about failure and shame, and that's in his own works. In his own works, in his own doing, and what he could do. It's like me wanting to dunk a basketball after watching only, only watching YouTube videos. Like, there's no way that's going to help me. That's actually not going to help me. But, uh, and the only reason why I do know that his own works will lead to failure and shame is because I've failed and have shame in my life, I have had shame in my life when I fall short, when I rely on myself, when I rely on my own works to earn me acceptance. You know, I know my, how sinful my own human nature is. You know, I, I know how much I need God's forgiveness. I know how much I need God's mercy and grace in my life every single day because I'm not perfect. And I know how relying on yourself, relying on doing the right things only, and thinking that you have to earn something like God's acceptance and God's love, it only brings about failure and it only brings about shame i know there's no way that i can stand before god and be like i i earned this i earned this salvation i earned your acceptance i know there's no way that i can do that cuz it's not true you know i have faults in my life i still have i still have faults in my life and there's no way that this man has not made one mistake in his life where he can walk to jesus and be like i've kept these 100% I haven't lied one time, because even if he lied when he was a teenager, you know, trying to impress a girl or something like that, like saying he can bench three hundred pounds and he can only bench two ninety five or something, even if he lied just a little bit, he's still guilty of breaking the entire law, because if you look in James two ten, we're actually going to it's going to be on the screen. It says this: for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. So even if he lied just one little time, he's guilty of breaking the entire law. And it says this, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this man who's talking to Jesus, this man who's approaching him and saying, you know, I've never, I've never done any, any of these things. This man, you know, me, you guys, Pastor Isaac, you know, we all fall short of being good enough in our own humanity, to earn God's acceptance. We all fall short of being good enough to earn it. And part of this problem with thinking that we can earn God's love is because we want to be able to control the outcome by measuring it externally. You know, we, we, we could get if we could get away with the bare minimum, I think a lot of us probably would. I know I would. If I, if I could get away with the bare minimum and still think that we're in a healthy relationship with God, that's probably the way that we would kind of gravitate towards. You know, we can help our neighbor with something and, do the right actions but have a poor attitude about it in our hearts. Or, you know, we could talk nice to someone to their face but behind their back actually be jealous and hate them inside. Or, you know, we can sexualize people and demean them, but as long as we don't actually act upon it, then it's not really wrong. And, and that's, that's the things that th- this mindset leads towards is, is that as long as I don't act, as long as I don't do these things where people notice, then it's not wrong. But Jesus actually rebukes this kind of mindset in the Sermon on the Mount. He actually completely throws away this kind of mindset. Because it's not only about what you do externally that matters to God. It's about what's going on in you internally. He wants your actions and your attitude to reflect his goodness, not just your goodness. Because ultimately, when your heart and your mind are God's, then your actions are going to follow anyway. And from this man's words, we see that his, this man's identity, you know, we're in a series of identities revealed. This man's identity was built around his control. This man's identity was built away, around the way that he could just uh, put himself out before others. The way that other people saw him was built around how good he's done. This, his whole identity was built around himself. His, his identity was found in his good works what he can do to earn God's love. But the truth for this man, the truth for this this man, the truth for you guys, is that God's always loved you. God's always loved you. He will always love you. His love's never going to fade away from you guys, no matter what you do. The truth is that you can never do anything in your life that will make God love you any more or any less than how much he loves you right now in this very moment. Think about that. Nothing you guys can do can make God love you any more or any less right now in the future, in the past. Nothing can make God love you any more or any less than he does right now in this very moment. By trying to do things just to earn his love, you're doing something that's not really getting you anywhere. It's just like me watching YouTube videos. You're, just, you're focusing on something that's not really helping you. It may look like it's helping you. You may think in your mind, like, this is actually going to help me, but it's not getting you anywhere And that's why we see that Jesus changes the focus of the conversation. He changes it from what the man has been doing to who the man should be following. You know, if he wants to have a right relationship with God, he's got to not focus on what he's done, but focus on who he should be following after. And he has to let go of his control and follow Jesus completely. Because we realize this, and this is the second point, that Jesus Jesus is the only way to a right relationship with God. Jesus is the only way to a right relationship with God. You know, on the outside, this man has it all together. This man appears to be God's favorite. He appears to be blessed by God because he's wealthy, because he hasn't broken these parts of the law. But Jesus still tells him he's lacking something. Jesus says, you're still lacking one thing. You're missing a vital piece to the puzzle, dude. You're missing a full life and devotion to Jesus. Now, let me tell you something today, guys. Today, I can, I can dunk. I can dunk. I can dunk a basketball. I actually have proof. If you want to throw up that picture, this is me and my little brother, and I'm dunking on him. Does that look pretty sweet, huh? That's pretty sick. That's pretty sick. But hey, let's look at the next picture. That's my uh, 15-year-old brother dunking on me, and as you can tell, it's actually a seven-foot rim, um, so I lowered the... I can dunk on a seven-foot rim any day of the week. I don't have to, I don't have to dunk on 10 feet. But just but just looking at these two pictures, the first picture you saw, if you want to go back to that, man, you can't tell that short. I mean, I guess you guys probably assume so because I'm pretty pretty far up there, but it just you guys can't tell that short until you saw the next picture and you saw the 15 year old just dunking on top of me. And I'm actually gonna delete that after this this sermon because uh, I don't want proof of that. <laughs> but you know, it makes me think about the times in my life where I looked like I had it all together on the outside, but I really was a complete mess in my relationship with God on the inside. You know, I was doing all the right things. I was, uh, you know, doing everything that you would expect me to do as a Christian. But I didn't care about my relationship with Jesus. I didn't care about spending time with God. I wanted to be able to have the rewards of a Christian life, but I didn't want to make the commitment to follow Jesus completely in every area of my life. You know, these are the times that we, we kind of forget to think about. And I wanted to still have control over these certain areas. You know, I, I didn't want to spend time with God daily. I didn't want to spend time reading his word. I, d- I didn't want to stop doing the things I shouldn't be doing. I didn't want to open my life up to allow him to change me internally and externally. I didn't want to have I I complete control over my life. I just wanted some things that I was like, you know what, you can, God, you can have this part of my life. And I'll hold on to the rest. And maybe this is something that you can relate to. Maybe this is something you've experienced I'm sure sure you guys have all kind of gone through a similar situation. But the amazing thing that even in those situations, Jesus still loves you. Jesus still calls you to come and follow him completely. Jesus still called me to come and follow him completely, even though I was looking at the wrong things. Even though I was focused on the wrong things in my life and focused on the wrong things while I was following Jesus and trying to follow Jesus. If, If you check out in verse 21, it says this. And Jesus, looking at him, he loved him. He loved him. And he said to him, you lack one thing, go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come. Come follow me. Man, he loved him. This man just tried to hype himself up like no one's ever heard of before. He said, you know what, Jesus, I've never failed any part of the law. I'm that good. And I mean, if someone, was to, if someone were to brag like that in front of me, I'd be like, dude, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm going to show you how, how wrong you really are. But Jesus looked at him and loved him. Like this, Jesus had so much grace and mercy for this guy. And Jesus, you know, he's not calling this man to poverty just for poverty's sake. He's not calling him to sell all his stuff and give away his things just for the sake of selling everything. He's calling him to a life of discipleship. He's calling him to a life that was just more of an instruction, but it's a life that would imitate the person you're following. It It was a life that would imitate Jesus, his way of life, it would, he would spend time with him every day. He would follow him and see what he, what he did and how to live. Jesus was calling him to a life of that, not a life of just giving away stuff just for the sake of that. And Jesus is also declaring that it's only through him that we're able to attain this eternal life with God. It's only through him that we're able to reach this point that he, that he wanted to reach, that I'm sure that we all want to reach. It wasn't going to be through his works. It wasn't gonna be through a straight A report card. It wasn't gonna be through his parents' works. It wasn't gonna be through the money he was, he was born into having. It wasn't gonna be, it was only gonna be through following Jesus. In John 14, 6, it says this Jesus answered. So Jesus is speaking, he says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So if you guys are taking notes, write this down. The only way to, the, to a right relationship with the Father, is through a personal relationship with Jesus. The only way to a right relationship with the Father is through a personal relationship with Jesus. So we, say, we see in this very moment right here, when Jesus tells him to come follow him, that two identities are actually colliding. Two identities are coming head to head with one another. It's this, man, man, this man's identity of earning righteousness by good works and having control over, you know, it's coming in direct conflict with Jesus saying, you know, I'm the only way. You have to come follow me. And he's asking us to surrender, asking him to surrender our, his life to him. But it says, it says this. It says that this man was sad. He was overcome with sadness because he, could only, he couldn't bring himself to give up everything. He couldn't bring himself to following Jesus completely. He, he couldn't give himself to give up the control that he held onto so tightly. You know, we don't know whether he was worried that he wouldn't be provided for, or scared he would regret it. We didn't know the reason, but all we know is that he turned down the only way to get what he was seeking, because he was so focused on the control of his own desires and the, the control of his own life and what he thought was right and what he could do to earn what he wanted. And he decided not to follow the Son of God because it was too painful, it was too much of a sacrifice. It was too, too much of a hard it was too, too hard for him. You know there's just something in him that he just, he just couldn't do it. And his desire for God and eternal life with him was real. Like, if you look at this story, if you want to throw back, back to the verse, the passage, you know, it, if you read through that story, his, his desire was real. Like, him running and kneeling before Jesus, that's real. That's, that's genuine. His, his earnest approach to Jesus was authentic. Like, he, this was all real. But all of that went away when he had to let Jesus be the Lord of his life. It was real up to a point. It was real until he was like, oh, but Jesus, you want that part of my life? Are you sure? Are you sure? I mean, I I can tell you I can do all these right things, but are you sure you want that part of my life? Everyone else thinks I'm good. Why can't you just say I'm good? But there was something deep inside of him that Jesus knew that he was holding on to still. There was something that he was hiding from other people. And even hiding from himself probably. That Jesus knew he had to let go of. You know, maybe today uh, you feel like you're, you're in a similar situation. Or you have been in a similar situation. You know, you're holding on to things in your life that you know Jesus is calling you to let go of. You know, because they're taking the place of him in your life. Or because they're hurting you emotionally. They're hurting you spiritually. They're ho- hurting you physically even. Or maybe it's something you've hidden in your life that nobody else knows about. It's something that's so deep in here so deep in your heart and so deep in your mind that you haven't shared with anybody. But it's something that God knows and that God's working in your heart right now for you to give it up, for you to like let go of it and just fully de- de- be devoted and committed to him because, I mean, come on, guys. It, it's not about being perfect. It's it, it, like Jesus wants his heart. Jesus wanted this man's heart. He didn't necessarily care about all these things that he could do. All he wanted was his heart because he knew that as soon as he got his heart, man, it's over. His actions are going to follow that. His actions are going to follow that. And it can be scary. It can be scary to surrender our control. It can be scary to let go of our, our control in our lives. Like, it's still, a, it's a process. It's a process, man. Like, I, I still have to work through that in my own life. Letting up control in certain areas of my life. And it's something you have to revisit. But I would just ask you today, just to, to, to just begin think about thinking about that. Let God speak to your heart right now. Just begin thinking about, you know, what are things in your life that you're holding on to? What are things in your life that you're just holding so tightly to that Jesus has no place in the, he, he can't even get into that area because you're holding so tightly to that area of your life, the area of your heart, the area of your mind. And I know right now you guys, you know, we're, we're going to have a response time tonight. So I know that you guys are all familiar with that. We're going to, um, you know, all, everyone stand up and just, if you guys want to go to any part of the room, We're just going to have a time to reflect. We're going to have a time to respond. How we're going to practically, how can you really let this word, let this this message speak to your heart. So if everyone just stand up real quick and just do do what you guys got to do in that. And I'm just going to pray. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon